0: Praise the Lord for that song. It's like a concerto of different sounds and tonalities and you never know where you're going to go with the chord progressions. Praise the Lord. Charity was definitely, is definitely one of the most talented musicians I've ever met. And Taki is definitely one of the best storytellers I've ever met. So it's a blessing to follow two great people doing God's work. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice, I'm still fighting with a little bit of a thingy. I don't even know what it is really, but whether it's a virus, a cold, or something. So I'm still kinda struggling with it, so my voice may cut in and out a little bit, so please excuse me. Before we get started, how about we have a quick word of prayer? (coughs) Father in heaven, Lord, we're just so thankful for your love, your goodness, and your grace. We're thankful for the time that we get to come together to worship you Um, Lord, as we begin with the service today and the sermon, I pray that it may not be my words, but your words, and that if there's anything that I may say that's faulty, may it fall from everyone's ears, and please, uh, Lord, send us your Holy Spirit, Lord. You promise us that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, you will give us, give it to us generously. So, Lord, we also ask for a double portion, and we thank you, and we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Anybody been keeping up with the news lately? What a week. It's, well, I'm taking a few interesting classes in college now. Taking one that's called Family Resources, and it's a human development class. And so what we do at the very beginning of class is, we're actually assigned to read the newspaper, see what's going on in local news. And there have been, just sad story after sad story this week. I'm, I'm sure it's not different than any other week, but I mean, especially here on the Big Island, especially where I live in Hilo, um, there's one particular story of a five-year-old girl. Anybody remember this? Um, I forget what her, what her name was. Wynn, I think was her last name. Five-year-old girl was beaten, raped, and then drowned by her mother's boyfriend. Um, Throughout the week, a little bit more was revealed. At first, it was just she was murdered, then she was beaten, then she was raped, and it just kept building throughout the whole week. And it was a big deal because it wasn't, (coughs) excuse me, it wasn't in Honolulu, it wasn't um, on the mainland, it was here on the Big Island. So it really hit a lot of people pretty hard. And matter of fact, it was in Wainaku, I believe. And that's actually really close to where a lot of people are Wanaku is even where we had my cousin's funeral. And it was an interesting week because it's, to me, I started realizing a lot of stuff is going on here that people don't know about. Now, if you ever watch news, chances are you're probably gonna get somewhat depressed. Uh, How many times I'm just watching the news and you know, uh, there's another story this week. Uh, Parents, these two parents, uh, mother wasn't mentally stable they actually starved their own daughter. And it wasn't until, um, wasn't until I think like the auntie or the uncle came and found the daughter just literally, and they showed a picture on the news, it was really hard on the eyes. She was literally just bones. Her arm, there was no muscle, no fat on her at all. Um, Mother was mentally unstable, the father was uh, in and out. And we think to ourselves, how can people do this? Now, there, there are multiple s- more stories. I, I don't want to go on and on about it, but anybody else realizing that we're living in a pretty sick world? Now, the world is getting bad, <coughs> mainly because humans are going bad. Anyone agree? The human race is slowly becoming more and more immune to bad news. Uh, it's not until we hear something huge or something just, just so traumatic or so different and so gruesome that we finally get shocked. Nowadays, hearing someone that was raped, it's kind of like, oh, wow, that's kind of too bad. Oh, well, we hear someone, oh, someone uh, died in a car accident. Oh, wow, that's a real bummer. Our, our facial expressions start to become bland. Our emotional responses become to become monotonous. And the human race, Christians are not immune to this either. We're starting to become cold. Uh, A big word I like to use is desensitized. Our senses are becoming, uh, what's a good word for it, unsensible. Anyways, there was a quote that really puzzled me and then it made sense immediately. The quote goes, the thing more worse than evil men is the indifference of good men. Let me say that again. The, The thing more worse than evil men is the indifference of good men. Indifference, that means the attitude of not caring. The attitude of, it's not happening to me, why should I care? It's saying, what's worse than sinful men is good men who don't care. And sadly, that's majority of the human race. At the end, thinking about it, I started thinking, what do we care about then? What do we care about? What don't we care about? What came to mind was we care about stuff that's happening in our proximity. If it's happening to our family, big deal. If it's happening to our friends, big deal. If it's happening to in our own community, then it's a fairly big deal. But then if it's not happening to us, if there's a, you know, a flash flood in Rwanda, oh wow, that's really sad, we'll pray for them. That's about the extent of our sympathy anyway. And it began formulating into a sermon and so the title of my sermon is derived from the great Shakespearean line, to care or not to care? That is the big question. I'm going to have a kind of a short sermon today because my voice is still, <coughs> still going in and out. First point is where, or the question is where are we becoming desensitized? First of all, where we're be- becoming desensitized is with the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 6. And verse 15. The desensitization of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15. (coughs) Jeremiah 6 and verse 15. Let me hear an amen when you're there. Amen. All right. Jeremiah 6 verse 15. And it says, were they ashamed when when they had committed abomination? Nay or no. They were not ashamed at all, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. It's kind of a prophecy of what's going to be happening in the last days. People getting caught. Normally, when you get caught doing something bad, you feel bad. If you're a kid and you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, what happens? Do we not eat cookies here? Okay, Um, bad analogy. (laughs) If you get caught lying, what happens? Mother says, if you don't lie to us, we won't punish you as bad. It's a dream I'm still hanging on to. (laughs) And so, normally, you sin, you lie, you cheat, you feel bad. All of a sudden, the, the prophecy says, in the end days, men are gonna be so wicked, men, I mean the human race, is we're gonna be so wicked that we're not even gonna blush at being caught or being uh, found guilty of sin. It kinda makes me think about, maybe that's why the Lord says, you need to be like a child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you bust a child for lying, They feel really bad, and you can see it, they express it, you catch a child cheating on the test. I remember one time in Monolos school, me and my friend Ryan, we decided to half half a paper. And so we thought we were genius. We were were the big kids in class. We were seventh and eighth graders. And so, (coughs) excuse me, we, uh, I typed the first half and he typed the second half. And we thought we were ingenious, okay. We're going to change a few words here and there so that uh, the teacher can't tell that we cheated. Da-da-da-da-da. All right, there we go. Print it out, turn it in at the same time. And within 10 minutes, the principal calls us into the office, or the principal was also our teacher. Calls us into the office, busted. And so we dealt with the punishment. And of course, we felt extremely bad. And <coughs> even when another student gets hurt, uh, I remember. Uh, Observing little kids for one of my classes, um, I had to observe children, follow them around, write what they did and all that. Kids are very, very sympathetic if you notice. There was uh, a one kid, fell off the slide, and about five or six little kids, it was a preschool age, they came around, oh, are you okay, Or oh, are you okay, oh, oh, let's get the teacher. One of them ran and got the teacher and got him a band-aid and all that. And I, I, I thought to myself, if that was grown-ups, or if that was teenagers, we'd be, dude, get off the ground, you big baby. <laughs> because that's our mentality. You get older, you get colder. You get older, you get tougher. That's, that's the mentality of the world. Um, I remember there was one time I was working with my dad at a job and, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, we were working at a job. I was starting to get sick. My throat was sore. My head was pounding. And I said, hey, Dad, uh, I feel like I'm getting kind of sick. And his customer, older gentleman, said, boy, if you can still stand, you can still work. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you don't have kids, do you? <laughs> and you know, uh, nothing against the older generation. I respect and I love you guys. But you, very, you have a very good way of expressing yourself, don't you? And it, it, it kind of pressed into my mind. It's like, wow, the older we get, the harder we get. So maybe that's why the Lord wants us to be like children. So first, first point is we get desensitized um, from the Holy Spirit by sin. Sin separates. Second part that we get desensitized in is our care for others. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Philippians is one of those books in the Bible that that easily disappears because it's so small. It's right before Colossians and right after Ephesians. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Give me an amen if you're there. All right, we'll wait a little bit longer. Thanks, man. Philippians 2, 4. The Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also to the things of others. Living in a society today, everything is me, me, me. What's wrong with me? Woe is me. Have you ever had a down day and you're just kind of moping around feeling sorry for yourself? Then you talk to someone else and you realize your life is really good. <laughs> this is kind of what this Bible verse is saying. It says don't look to your own things because when you look to your own things, you realize, you know, oh, my life is so horrible. Talk to others and be a blessing, you know, help them out. Because when you start talking to others, you start caring about their needs and your needs <clears throat> seem really minimal, you know. Uh, oh, Thanks. <laughs> Double blessing today. So, <coughs> it's interesting that we can do that. Uh, one time, you know, my parents were mad at me, me and the girlfriend got into an argument, I stubbed my toe. And then, talk to one of your friends and realized, hey, their parents are getting a divorce. Their girlfriend cheated on them and they broke their foot. And you realize, okay, well, Lord, thank you for blessing me. So, it's interesting because the main point of the sermon I want to make is (coughs) we're starting to become cold. We're beginning to not care. What can we do to start caring again? Now, the third point is a solution. Looking at the way that Jesus cared for people. Um. In one of my classes, I'm actually taking a women's studies class, and I thought it would be to uh, a class on how to better understand women. Uh, joke was on me. <laughs> Instead, it is a class about women in history, uh, feminist movements, feminist power, studying the three movements of the feminist movements. And, uh, the three waves of the feminist movements, and you feel really bad being a guy. <laughs> um, and so there's there's three guys in the class, and all of us are just really quiet. And af- afterwards, we 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 I just apologize, like I'm sorry. <laughs> and it, it's a class that really brought out, man. We lived in a messed up society. We lived up in a we live in a messed up world. We have racism, sexism. Social economistism. Um, and then I began studying the Bible, and we look at how Jesus treated everyone. Jesus was not a sexist, Jesus was not a racist, Jesus didn't care what class you were in. He cared for people rich, poor, uh, young, old, clean, dirty. Uh, I mean, you got the rich and the young, you got the rich young ruler, and you got the Pharisees, who I'm assuming were chronologically accelerated. Uh, you have the dirty and the clean. You have the dirty people, the lepers. You have the clean people, the, the, um, the people just coming for help that are sick. And you look at the way Jesus cared about them, and the key was his compassion. The key is compassion. And that's, that's the major point I want to make here is if we want to start changing the world and getting, ready the world, getting the world ready for Jesus to come again, the key is love and compassion. <coughs> um, in conclusion we as Christians, we have a calling to prepare the word for for Jesus' coming. Now, I'm aware that not everybody isn't ready to preach an evangelistic series. I'm aware that not everybody knows how to do a Bible study. But I'm aware that people know how to ask questions. And a lot of times, conversation and witnessing starts with a question. A simple, how are you doing today? Amazing, that word, that one sentence can lead to hours of conversation. A question of, are you doing okay? How's the family? How's your, how's your wife? Small little questions like that can begin changing the world. It's like blowing up a balloon. When you start blowing up a balloon, you start slowly, and then it gets bigger. When you meet someone, normally, you don't ask them if, you want, if they want a Bible study on Revelation 14. Normally, you would ask, how's your day going so far? You start showing that they care about, that you care about them. That's how Jesus worked. He began saying, hey, is there anything I can get you? Or do you have some kind of need? And then you begin witnessing. It's not by, uh, when you're learning how to surf, you don't grab the board, shoot right out to the water, and expect to be able to surf. Now, I don't know how to surf, but I'm aware that you probably need to learn how to paddle and probably learn how to stand up. Those are probably pretty good key components. Even when you're learning how to play the guitar, you don't begin shredding and doing fancy scales right when you pick up the guitar. You gotta learn how to hold the pick, you gotta learn what a G chord is, you gotta know what the C chord is. You start off slowly and then you build your way up. And it's the same thing with witnessing for Christ. First of all, it starts with simple questions. How are you today? How's the family? How's work? Um, Is everything okay with you? Is there anything that you need? And then you begin with, the Bible studies and and asking them if they want to come to church. And it's only by our own conscious decision that we can begin that change. And it comes with a simple line, Lord, I want to be a Christian. If that's your desire today, to become a Christian, although I know most of us are Christians, but if you want to begin changing the world by simply caring for people, I invite you to stand up with us and sing hymn number 319 Lord I want to be a Christian hymn number 3